0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. And we're so thankful for you, and we're thankful that we're able to be here with you each day on Search the Scriptures to do exactly that. Dig into God's Word and study a little bit further. Dig a little bit deeper. Learn a little bit more. Our prayer is for each of you that you are growing spiritually That your faith is getting stronger as we come together each day and study God's Word. That should be happening because, as we keep emphasizing from Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And our prayer is that ultimately, anyone who is listening and studying with us, who needs to come to God through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation, will do exactly that, repenting of their sins confessing their faith in Christ as God's Son and our Lord and Savior openly and surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse them of the guilt of their sins and they'll be reborn spiritually. John 3, verses three through five, and they will be made new spiritually, a new creation as the apostle Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 17. We encourage you, if you need help along this line, if you want to study more, Go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to the podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It's free. It will always be free. And then you'll automatically receive on your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, computer, laptop, tablet, pad, whatever it might be, you automatically receive all of these radio programs so that if you can't listen one day or two days at the time they're on, even though they're on several times a day, you can still download the podcast and listen to it at your convenience. But you'll also receive all of our sermons, our Wednesday night and Sunday morning Bible classes, and then a great daily short 12 or 13 minute Bible study that we call today's bible class touching on very relevant and pertinent issues of our day and of our lives and of spiritual matters certainly all the time we encourage you again churchofchrist.com and click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting now also you'll find all kinds of other study materials there that are posted on that website again they're all free hundreds of articles that are, that are scripturally based, hundreds of sermons that you can download and listen to, and back issues of Search the Scriptures. So be sure to sign up and be sure to use our website. Now, we also want to encourage you to come and worship with us and study with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. If you're in the Omaha area especially, come and check us out study with us, grow spiritually with us, worship with us. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. And you can contact us through our website on the email email link, or you can call us at 402-498-8397, 402-498-8397. Now, let's get back into our study that we've been looking at over the last couple of sessions. We're talking about the eternal disaster of almost. Now, how many times have we experienced situations in which we thought, oh, I almost made it, or it almost worked out. We've talked about how if you go and apply for a particular job that you really want, and you almost get that job that means you did not get it. Or if you are involved in some kind of contest or sports uh, event or something along those lines that's, you know, a competition of some kind and you almost win, well, that means you lost. When you're talking about some kind of venture that you're undertaking and you're you're trying to succeed at it and, oh, by the time it's over, you, you say... <sighs> I almost made it, almost accomplished what I was trying to accomplish. Well, that means you failed to accomplish what you were trying to accomplish. I've, I've used, you know, the rather vivid illustration, growing up in a big city as I did, and then moving to smaller towns along the way later in my life. But still, you know, I know what it's like. You're, you're waiting to cross a street, and you're looking at the traffic coming from both directions, perhaps, Or maybe if it's a one-way street just from one direction, you're calculating in your mind, can I get across that street? Can I make it before that car comes? And you think, I think I can make it. And so you dash across the street. Well, you know, if you almost made it, that means you got hit by that car, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, we can relate to that, can't we? We can see it in our mind's eye. You see, again, almost means I did not make it. Almost means I did not win. Almost means I did not get the job I was I was seeking. Almost means I did not succeed at that particular venture whatever it was. How many times has a student in high school or college looked at their grade point average and they said, you know, I almost had a high enough grade point average to get that scholarship. Well, that means they did not have a high enough grade point average to get that scholarship. So we understand, I'm not sure if we really break it down and analyze it to the degree that that I've been doing in this study, but when we stop and think about it, we understand what almost means. It means we did not make it. Well, when we're talking about almost in terms of eternal life, eternal salvation, a home in heaven, that means... Almost means we're not there. We did not make it. We will not have made it. Almost means lost. We're going to talk about that in more direct fashion later in this study. But I want to go back to James chapter 1 and read verses 12 through 15 again. And here James wrote, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Now we made the point that enduring temptation in this particular context, means he endured it without giving in to it. He did not succumb to the temptation and commit the sin. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now that's winning. That's succeeding. That is receiving altogether the promise of eternal life in heaven. He endured temptation, but did not become the sinner. He did not give in to the temptation. He endured it successfully, not just almost successfully, but successfully. And so the crown of life, eternal life in heaven, a home with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit in heaven is waiting for him. Verse 13 goes on and says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So when we live in sin, we can't blame God. We make the choice ourselves. We noted that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 that no temptation has overtaken any one of us. That is some kind of unusual temptation, brand new temptation, never been seen or experienced before. But no, Paul says it's common to mankind. Others have been tempted in like manner as whatever we might be facing at this time. But for the person who is striving to be faithful to God, who has been obedient, who has been baptized into Christ and trying to live that faithful Christian life, the middle of that verse, again, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 says, God is faithful. Faithful, how? God faithful? Of course God is faithful. What's, what's the point in this particular verse? Paul's saying God will be faithful to his word, to his promise to be with you. He'll be faithful to be there with you and for you and will always make the way of escape, not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear, to endure but will always make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. In other words, God will always be there with you as long as you're always there with him. And he'll always make the way for you to be able to say no to that temptation. So God does not tempt anyone. And then verse 14 of James chapter 1 goes on and kind of breaks down the process through which sin develops in the life of an individual. He says, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And I made the point, I spent some time talking about how every one of us has some particular temptations to sin that we individually struggle with, more so than most of the others. I've, I've talked about different times in teaching that, you know, a lot of people, they struggle trying to stay away from alcohol or drugs. That's never been much of a temptation for me, thankfully. Praise God for that. But there are others that I struggle with, and you have your own what I call Achilles heel temptations that you struggle with on a regular basis. It's going to be a lifelong battle for you to continue to endure those temptations without giving in to them. So, The individual is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, when you give in to the desire, you follow through on it. It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So here's the ultimate scenario. In Matthew chapter uh, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, our Lord talked about two roads through life. He said one is broad and wide, no holds barred, no rules, no regulations, no speed limit. You do anything you want, do whatever feels good for the moment, but it ends up in hell. He said the other road is narrow and straight. And the pathway of truth is always narrow and straight. But that pathway, that road leads to eternal life in heaven. We, I think, kind of instinctively want a third road right down the middle. But there is no third road. It's either or, one or the other. And you are going down one of those roads right now. And you make your own choice as to which road you're going to travel every day of your life. We might say every hour of every day of your life. So which road are you on? One's going to lead to eternal life. That, that's heaven, the other's going to lead to eternal condemnation in hell. Won't it be sad on the final day of judgment when the Lord comes again, and according to second Corinthians five and verse 10, we'll all stand before His judgment seat and give account of the things done in our lives, whether good or bad, to have only almost made it to heaven? but been condemned to hell because of our sinfulness, because we gave in to our desires and became sinners and lived in sin and did not live in faithfulness before God on a consistent basis. How sad that will be. Well, we talked about the Apostle Paul and how he was giving a defense, if you would, of his ministry he had been arrested by the Roman authorities he had been put into jail or prison by the time he is giving this particular defense he's probably been in jail for about two years he ultimately would spend another two years in jail in Rome because he would appeal or he had appealed by this time to Caesar as was his right as a Roman citizen and so the Roman the Roman governor over the land, Caesarea is where he was based, he was bound to send him to Rome to appeal his case before Caesar. It's kind of similar to what we have as the right of a citizen to appeal to the Supreme Court of our land. Well, before Festus, the Roman governor, was going to send him to Rome, he, I think we're to understand, he... Kind of called in king agrippa the jewish king of that area so that he could hear paul's defense and so paul basically simply preached the gospel of christ and when he came to the point in verse 23 of acts chapter 26 where he talked about jesus going to the grave to the tomb and then arising from the dead festus broke out and accused paul of being insane in verse 24 now, when he had, now, now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning has made you mad. Now, that's basically the equivalent of saving, saying, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. You're insane. Nobody comes back from the dead. But he, that is Paul, responded, and you kind of get the sense of the calm response here, looking at Festus, and he said, I am not mad, most ex, most noble Festus, but I speak words of truth and reason. For the king, now he's referring to Agrippa. Agrippa was a Jew. He knew the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Savior, Jesus, in other words. For the king, before whom I also speak freely, knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since this thing was not done in a corner well certainly agrippa knew about jesus he certainly did he knew what had been going on in the land over which he was king when jesus was in his ministry upon this earth he knew all about the crucifixion he knew also well let me not say that let paul make the point verse 27 Now, Paul, can you see him turning to Agrippa and locking eyes with the king and asking him, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? And then the pause. Agrippa does not answer. Paul answers for him. I know that you do believe. Agrippa knew the prophecies. And then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. Sadly, we have no scripture account that Agrippa ever became altogether persuaded to become a Christian. Paul responded in the next verse and said, I would to God that not only you but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether Such as I am. In other words, Paul's desire, sincere desire, was that everybody there hearing him at that moment and that place would become altogether persuaded to become a Christian. How sad to make that statement and make it the reality in your life. You almost convinced me. You almost persuaded me to come to the Lord. You almost persuaded me to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. You almost persuaded me to become that true New Testament Christian. To be a part of the Lord's church. You almost, almost persuaded me. Almost, but lost. Now, why would someone remain just almost persuaded to come to Jesus? Could it be pride? Was that perhaps what was behind Agrippa's statement? Almost, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Could pride have been holding him back? The idea, you a prisoner? You in chains? What would people think if I were persuaded fully to become a Christian by you? What would happen to me in my position as king? Could I lose my throne? Would it be taken from me? After all, he was basically a puppet king under the supervision of the Roman governor. Why would a person today leave themselves just almost persuaded to obey God? Pride? In John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Oh my. The praise of men? Having people praise you, compliment you, laud you, look up to you, give you some kind of worldly respect? That's only going to last for a period of time while you're still alive in this world. When you're talking about coming to God through Jesus Christ for eternal life, that's forever and ever and ever. Time without end. But many of those, many of the Pharisees, or rather many, of, uh, many of, among the rulers, they believed in Jesus but would not follow him openly because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of god how disastrous a position is that in james chapter 4 and verse 6 and again we read the same statement in first peter chapter 5 and verse 5 he gives grace that is god gives more grace therefore he says god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, understand that again. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I think a lot of times we have in our minds kind of a stigma that humble means we're weak. And that's not the case. Do you realize that in many In many cases in many situations it requires tremendous strength to present yourself in a humble humble presentation to humble yourselves in the face of provocation or challenge you know I've told my told one of my sons and I've told teenagers this through the years when you find yourself in a confrontational kind of situation at school say i say anybody can throw fists anybody things start wailing it takes strength to humble yourself and walk away from that fight that takes extra strength Humble does not mean humiliated. Humble. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. How disastrous it will be to be almost persuaded to become a Christian, to live the faithful Christian life, but end up lost because of self-pride. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your word to guide us. Help us to learn, Father, and make the correct and faithful and obedient applications to our lives. And let us not allow ourselves to have to face death just almost persuaded to obey you. Father, we pray for your forgiveness. Hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Christ's name, amen.